Our culture provides sources of content for advertising. Free is like a misnomer almost, right? Ad supported is like the real term. <laughs> yeah. And advertising shapes our cultural values. What is acceptable for not only big corporations, but the government, etc. It's a collective view. Welcome to the Mad Culture Podcast. On Mad Culture, we explore the intersection between marketing, advertising, and culture. Essentially what that's saying is like, if you download this app and you log in or whatever, we're gonna take your, your geolocation data, we're gonna yeah. take your preferences and like demographic data and all that kind of thing, and it may be sold. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to Mad Culture with your hosts, Brian Rios and Joshua Grant. Joshua, how are you doing today? I'm good, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Uh, we have a guest today, which is also quite cool. I think it's the first guest we've had on the podcast. So Definitely. I'd like to introduce uh, Josh Wilson, who's the commercial director of Crimtan. Uh, Crimtan is a programmatic platform. And so we invited Josh to join us today to talk a little bit about the subject we're gonna discuss today. So I'll let Josh introduce himself. Yeah, thanks guys. No, it's really uh, good to be here and thanks for inviting me on the show. Um, yeah, as Joshua said, you know, Crim10, we're a programmatic platform. We specialize in lifecycle marketing. Um, we're a UK company, so we founded, I think, in, in 2009. Um, and, you know, we've been through quite a lot um, in terms of, you know, data privacy and, uh, you know, regulations around, you know, GDPR and things like that. So, yeah. How long have you been uh, uh, doing business in APAC or Japan specifically? So, um, I joined Crim10 about 2015. It was soon after when I started to travel from Australia, where I'm originally from, from Sydney. Um, and uh, yeah, I think my first kind of business trip to Japan was 2017. Mm -hmm. um, completely different market to <laughs> yeah. you know, what I was used to in Australia. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, had a lot of challenges. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years later, 2019, I moved to Japan and, and built out our office here. Nice, very cool. Amazing. Cool, yeah, and so the reason that we asked Josh to come on the podcast today uh, is that we're gonna be talking about privacy and data and protections that you should be aware of, things that, um, yeah, maybe hopefully answering some questions that you have around this topic. Um, and so we're gonna be going over three main issues. Uh, the first one is, what is the current privacy situation? Yeah. Um, what data is being collected, why, potentially what that's being used for. Um, the second is, is what are we talking about when we say data? Like, what does that actually mean? Again, what's being collected? Um, where is that going? And then the final topic is gonna be, should you opt in? Like, as a consumer, what's the value proposition? Um, what are you really getting from advertising and, and uh, data collection? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I wanna point out that uh, this particular episode is not just for marketers. Mm -hmm. uh, we really thought about like sort of making this for everyone to sort of really understand all of the things that are happening around data. Obviously, data and privacy has been a big topic, uh, even so, so recently with things like vaccine passports and all of that, and sort of what is acceptable for you know not only big corporations but the government, et cetera. It's a collective view, and so I think what we wanted to do here was just essentially kind of lay out um, for people who aren't in our business uh, the pros and cons of, of data collection and what that actually really means. Um, I'm sure probably you've both seen, uh, I think probably the biggest sort of conversation start around this in sort of recent months has been the Apple change to iOS 14, which obviously sent the advertising world into like a frenzy. Um, but they also released like a direct-to-consumer commercial 
Um, and I don't know if you both saw it. Did you both see it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a quite it's quite a good commercial. So since we can't show it, I'll explain it. But it's basically a guy who's essentially being followed around by one person, and then that sort of grows exponentially to sort of hundreds of people, um, sort of just following him around, checking everything that he does, writing things down, um, and then ultimately in the end, he you know receives a prompt from you know iOS saying you know, do you want to be tracked, basically? Um, and he says no, and then all of these people disappear. So I guess my question to, like, Josh and both of you is, like, why do you think, um, why do you think that this is such an important issue now? And, and why do you think, like, companies like Apple and Google are, like, all of a sudden sort of raising questions around privacy and data? Do you think it's, 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 being driven by the consumer? Do you think it's just being driven by regulation? Like, where do you think it all kind of started and came from? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's probably, f you know, important firstly to kind of point out why, why Apple did that and they yeah. went all in on it. I think, you know, if you look at Apple's business model, it's never really been about advertising at all. They don't make any money from advertising. Um, and then on the other side of it, you know, Google, who's the other tech giant that we've, you know, mm -hmm. you've introduced, all of their re majority of their revenue comes from advertising. So you would never see kind of Google coming out and doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I think that's, you know, kind of an important consideration. I think, you know, what you mentioned before about like the driving forces of that, um, it's kind of three things. So there's legislation, so there's a you know, massive crackdown on it because, um, you know, you need to kind of ask people's permission to use their data. And I think, um, you know, most of the, the countries that have kind of enacted those, um, uh, those legislations, are, you know, the European Union through the GDPR, um, and then also, you know, in the states like the, the California mm -hmm. um, Consumer Protection Act, which both of those um, legislations came out in like the mid of uh, middle of 2018. So that's kind of the driving force, and I think that was the start of that. Yeah. Um, and now countries are kind of catching up, and they're using that as the model. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about Japan, they've got the APPI, the API, yeah. um, and they've made you know major amendments to that. Um, but then, you know, I think what is also interesting as well is that consumers are starting to become more savvy around like what's happening on the internet mm -hmm. and that's another driving force um, and then you know the third driving force is like the, the tech companies now coming yeah. to the table saying okay well legislation's here consumers want it now we've got to kind of like okay yeah. they busted us yeah. you gotta do it now yeah, yeah exactly it's interesting and i think like with the with the second point you made about consumers becoming more savvy i think you know from a from an advertising perspective i think one of the things that I think big tech, as well as um, sort of just people who work in the marketing community, have done a really bad job of is explaining the narrative as to why data collection is even used in our business and like what's what's the whole motivation behind it. So, just to give like a, a little short background, you know, the whole idea of really digital advertising and the rise of digital advertising came from this ability of advertisers being able to essentially drive more efficient advertising spend, right? The idea was that, you know, when you're doing traditional media mm -hmm. like TV and radio, newspaper, et cetera, you're, you're reaching a mass audience, of course, but you don't have that ability to really sort of customize or personalize that message to sort of push that consumer past that inertia of, of, of wanting to purchase something. And so what, you know, Google and, and many of the others who sort of follow suit provided was this means of sort of saying, 
look, we people spend a lot of time on the internet. We have a lot of information about you know how people consume media, what they do, how they spend their money, and so we can use this data to to sort of help you as an advertiser really speak to. Um, your core target audience and really sort of drive whatever messages that mm -hmm. you want to drive to them. And I think, you know, maybe this is like me just being optimistic, but I think the original intention of, of data-driven advertising was essentially good. I think the idea was you're going to have advertising on the internet, probably unlike the experience on television, particularly in America where a TV show is interrupted every two minutes with a commercial that you probably don't care about at all, mm -hmm. that I think the idea was let's try to somehow seamlessly create an online experience where yes, you have advertising, but it's not gonna be so disruptive because it's gonna be somewhat aligned um, your to your interests exactly. and what you like and what makes sense for you. And I think that intention was good, and then obviously we've kind of, I think we've gone a little bit off the rails. Um, it's like once you got that taste, you're... <laughs> well, yeah, it's just become so much easier, because yeah. then you can just like click a button, and you're like, oh, I yeah. want to find all the yoga moms yeah. in New York, and you're like, done, you yeah. know? And so I think it's, um, I, don't, I don't know if you agree, like if you guys think that it was sort of a good intention, in the, well intentioned yeah. in the beginning, but I, I just felt like the I, the original concept of sort of more relevant personalized advertising I don't necessarily think was a bad idea but well yeah I don't think it was you know designed to be used for evil right I mean yeah. that, and that's just not how it works but I think you know marketers have been wanting to do that for, for years and now like you've got a digital world where there's a digital kind of footprint of everyone and all their, their kind of behaviors and, and you know how they move and all that it's, it's essentially all tracked now mm -hmm. I think what you know what I've seen is that um, you know the technology has kind of moved so quickly mm -hmm. that the legislation hasn't been able to kind mm. of um, move with it. Yeah, and I think that doesn't just apply to like ad tech and you know what we're talking about here in advertising. You can see that with you know Bitcoin and you know blockchain technology and crypto and all of that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So, you know, I think that's the the, the world we're in. Like mm -hmm. the, the acceleration of technology is definitely moving super quickly. Um, but I think you know to a certain extent before like say GDPR and the CCPA and those kinds of things, which were you know arguably the, the strictest um, policies for, for consumer data protection and things like that. It was kind of like the Wild West. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of data companies just <laughs> taking um, data from, from users without, you know, c consent um, mm -hmm. and just uh, assuming that there is consent. Or, you know, if you download an app, you know, there's like 300 pages of yeah. the terms <laughs> yeah. and conditions, right? And Which no one ever yeah. reads. Yeah. No one yeah. ever reads. But yeah. essentially what that's saying is like, if you download this app and you log in or whatever, we're going to take your, your geolocation data, we're going to yeah. take your, mm -hmm. you know, um, your preferences and like demographic data and all that kind of mm -hmm. thing and it may be sold, you know? Yeah. And I think most people didn't know that this hap you know, happened, mm -hmm. but now, you know, yeah. what, like earlier this year, Apple's come out with that ad and everyone, you know, now the whole world knows about yeah, it. So it's, it's sure. definitely like a, a hot topic. So. Yeah. I kind so, of, yeah, sorry, Brian, go ahead. No, no, please, please, please continue. I was just going to say, like, um, kind of on that thought, like, that's been happening for so long. So, like, what what is kind of the situation, like, right now? Like, what happens if you're using iOS 14, if you opt out um, or opt in? Um, and so, kind of, like, what what is, like, from a consumer perspective, like, what's being 
subtract? Like, so I guess it depends on what part and role you play in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Apple specifically. So cool. as Josh mentioned, like Apple makes hardware, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they have a software that runs their hardware, but they're a hardware company. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what they, um, you know, attempted to do was sort of educate the consumer on the fact that when you download apps, particularly free ones, but generally all of them, those apps are always in the background collecting information, location information, uh, you know, that's how Uber knows where to deliver your food, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. right? And so the, what Apple tried to sort of educate people on is to say, look, um, you don't have to agree to this. Mm -hmm. um, and also you should be aware that this is happening. Mm -hmm. And so what they've done in terms of their specific way to tackle this problem is they've basically made, um, so before, everything was, um, you were already opted in unless you chose to opt out, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so now they've kind of flipped that. So everyone is opted out unless you choose to opt, opt in, in, which is a huge yeah. change, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so now, you know, when you download, I'm sure everyone's experienced this on their phone recently, but mm -hmm. now when you download an app, mm -hmm. you're gonna get a notification that asks if uh, it's okay for this app to track your information. I think then it's up to you to sort of figure out you know, yep. if you want the app to track you or not. Um, mm -hmm. We can get into that a little later, which mm -hmm. ones make sense and which ones don't. Mm -hmm. But that's from the the Apple perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but then I, I guess, Josh, with like GDPR, you guys have dealt with that much longer at Crimtan. Like, I think it flows beyond just like the phones, right? It goes to like how you are on the internet and all of that. Cool, so I think um, when we, what we're gonna talk about here is like, cookies and there's kind of two main types of cookies there's a first party cookie mm -hmm. and a third party cookie a third party cookie is a cookie that essentially um, tracks a user's behavior or essentially tracks them across different um, websites mm -hmm. um, you know, usually unbeknownst to the to the user yeah. <laughs> um, and then a first party cookie is kind of like I think the easiest way to kind of imagine this is you know Amazon right you log into Amazon yeah. um, and then you leave the site and then a week later you mm -hmm. you go back to Amazon and it remembers your credit card it remembers your name mm -hmm. remembers what you've um, you know purchased in the past mm -hmm. all of that data is stored on a first party cookie mm -hmm. first party cookies are you know very beneficial to a consumer because mm -hmm. imagine having to you know go into like, well, yeah. Yeah, every time, yeah, yeah. Stuff, just doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. Remember <laughs> any passwords? No, <laughs> yeah. 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 So the when we talk about cookies here, um, third-party cookies, mm -hmm. they're the ones that are kind of considered to be somewhat malicious yeah. because they're the ones that are tracking users mm -hmm. without their knowledge to a certain extent. So GDPR and those kinds of um, legislations are really cracking down on the third-party cookies. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and that's the same with Apple, and uh, what we'll probably see in the future with uh, with Google as well, because um, mm -hmm. you know made a recent announcement mm -hmm. that you know, they were planning to get rid of third-party cookies mm -hmm. in uh, in January 2021. Mm -hmm. That now they've extended that to um, I think the mid of uh, Google, uh, sorry, the mid of. Uh, 2023, I 2023, yeah, yeah, so June. So, so yeah. they're giving, giving advertisers and you know platforms a bit more time to prepare for that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's also like I, I'm going to check the numbers here, but I think um, there was shortly after the iOS 14 mm -hmm. uh, update, <clears throat> I think like it was a very high number, like mm -hmm. 80 something percent of people opted yeah. out of like okay. Facebook tracking. So it's also this thing where I used to always kind of believe like, oh, but the consumer doesn't care about this. But it seems like um, they do care. Mm -hmm. But I think what's interesting also 
um, to sort of say kind of where we are. I think what um, what what we what I think that needs to happen as well in terms of like the questions about privacy, what's going on in terms of like what is the data we're collecting, what what is it being used for? I think the big thing is we have to for the consumers sort of explain. I think. Um, what is the data being used for, but also the, the benefits of, of sharing the data, right? So as you just mentioned, Josh, like first party cookies, not having to re-enter your information mm -hmm. every single time, not mm -hmm. having to re-put, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you use apps that do like delivery or subscription services, not having to re-enter that. So there's, there is an element of data um, that you sort of make a good trade-off on um, in terms of just the, the convenience. I mean, Google Maps is another one. I don't think anyone <laughs> would be like, I don't mm -hmm. want Google to know where I am so they can help me find uh, where I need to go. So I think there is, but are there other types of like trade-offs that you guys think that make sense for sort of tracking to be allowed? Like, because um, obviously there are some people who would argue, let's opt out of everything. But yeah. I think, you know, if you had to make the mm -hmm. case for data collection, like mm -hmm. what would you what would you tell like the average person? Yeah, for me, I think there are kind of, there is definitely a kind of a malicious side as you were saying, Josh. Like I think that um, one of the articles that, that you shared, Joshua, was like about location data and how it's been. That was a crazy story. Yeah, let's maybe talk about that <laughs> right now and then we can kind of go yeah. into, sure. let's talk about this kind of scary factor and then we can go into maybe what are the benefits and you can kind of weigh that out for yourself yeah no this is insane so there's a there was a really it was i think the original story was um uh written on the published on the washington post um and then a few other publications wired etc picked it up um essentially what happened was uh a few weeks ago um a uh catholic bishop or he was part of um part of the Catholic bishop like community uh, was uh, fired because the information came to light that he had uh, been using the um, gay networking app Grindr. And how they got this information actually was The Pillar, which is a, which is a Catholic publication, um, essentially bought this data from a data broker. And so just so people can understand uh, what a data broker is, so obviously you have big tech companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon who collect data because you're using their platforms. But you also have companies which are like data brokerage companies that essentially collect and aggregate data and sell it to the highest bidder, basically. So um, I won't name any of them because I don't want to be sued, but um, <laughs> you can Google them and look them up. Um, and so what they do is they collect, you know, either your loyalty program data, subscriptions you have. Some companies even collect, you know, purchase data, what you what you buy online, etc. And so they aggregate that. Um, a lot of them aggregate it into like. Um, what many call like personas or mm -hmm. segments. And mm -hmm. so if I'm an advertiser and let's say I want to target, you know, women between the ages of 25 and 35 who live in New York, who eat organic food, who, who uh, you know, go to yoga, who like brunching with their friends, you can go to one of these data brokerage firms and get this kind of information and they can create that for you. And so what was happening in this particular scenario is that um, for very nefarious purposes, these data brokerage firms were allowing 
news organizations um, to sort of purchase this data mm -hmm. without any kind of like regulation or oversight, mm -hmm. tracked what you know this gentleman had done on his phone and where he had used his phone and it ultimately cost him his job. So however you feel about the story or LGBT or whatever, I think the bigger story here, which is why it was picked up, was that, you know, there was no there was no infraction made here. The, mm -hmm. You know, the, the 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 news organization that bought the data didn't violate any law. The data brokerage firm that sold the data to the news organization also didn't violate any mm -hmm. law. And so this is kind of the big question of like what happens when this becomes sort of table stakes and beyond advertisers, but let's say governments or your your company that you work for decides, oh, I want to know if, you know, let's say um, if all my employees are actually working from home from, mm -hmm. from nine to five or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's that's basically essentially that story. But you should definitely look it up because um, it's, it's quite a crazy story. <laughs> yeah. And so I think on that side of things where it is so finite, um, where it can be like on a per person basis, um, and used in a way that is sort of nefarious or really targeted um, at a specific outcome um, that isn't really related to benefiting the users or anything along those lines. I think that that is pretty, that can be pretty black, <laughs> like yeah. versus black, white, gray. Like yeah. it's not really that gray. I think that that, that really falls on, on the side that's probably not the best use case. Um, on the other side, though, for me, I kind of have a personal story, and this actually connects to an article um, that, Josh, you shared, um, which was about, actually, do you want, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, which, sorry. sorry. The, the target one. Oh, yeah, yeah. right, okay. So, you know, that's, um, it kind of relates to what, um, you know, Josh was saying before, mm -hmm. but, uh, and, you know, this is kind of a famous story, and you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's about 10 years old, this kind of uh, thing that happened. Um, but essentially, Target, so that the department store, um, in, I think it was in 2012, um, they kind of found out that um, a teenage girl was pregnant before even you know her parents did. And I think the the way that that came about is from using you know data collected on those particular um, well, that particular person. So the story goes, you know, this this teenage girl, she bought you know a particular uh, products that mm. was like lotions and like um, vitamins and mm. like a like a blue rug and mm. you know 25 other things. Mm. And what they did at Target is like they deep dived into that data, did a few like you know bits of uh, you know analytics on it, pulled out. Um, a percentage, which turned out to be about 87 percent, that this person is pregnant and they're going to get, you know, have birth in like, <laughs> like within a week of yeah, like yeah, yeah. they they knew when she was actually yeah, going to have, yeah. have the baby within That's a week. Crazy, yeah. And what Target does is they, you know, they take that data and make custom catalogs and things like that that they would send either in the mail or like digitally through mm -hmm. through um, you know email and things like that through EDMs. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, you know, the, the parents of the, the, the um, of the, the teenage daughter, you know, they started to see all this, you know, mm -hmm. um, all, you know, diapers and yeah. things like... <laughs> like pregnancy ads. Yeah, 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 yeah pregnancy ads and things like that. And with the, the teenage girl's name on it, right? Mm -hmm. So they're like, so the dad gets super pissed off. He goes, you know, marches down to Target and is like, why, am I, why is my daughter getting all this? And, you know, kind of, you know, you know fit of rage. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, a week later, the father calls Target back and says, you know, I'm sorry, actually my daughter is pregnant yeah. and you know, thank you for sending the coupons yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's craziness. Yeah. Yeah. And and there was no laws break broken. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Target themselves like massive pool of data that mm -hmm. they can pull those kinds of things mm -hmm. in uh, 
you know, and so that's first-party data. Actually, that kind of goes back to what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, first-party data. So yeah. it's all uh, consented mm -hmm. data. So that that particular girl would have signed up to some kind of target loyalty card or mm -hmm. credit card or whatever it may be, yeah. which would have had that fine print in it to mm -hmm. say, hey, we can we use your daughter, uh, your data, and uh, store it, and then um, use it for advertising. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It, I mean, it's like. So there was a, a PwC report that was done um, talking about sort of consumer data. Yeah. And what I thought was really interesting is it says 76% of consumers recognize that sharing data with companies is a necessary evil, um, but also recommend the benefits uh, of doing so. But 67% said they feel like they have little to no control over how their data is used. And 60% said they expect companies to do business, uh, the companies that they do business with, they're going to take data into consideration. Um, and so it seems like also uh, just like the idea of just, I, I think telling people what kind of data you're collecting mm -hmm. and then what you intend to do with it, I yeah. think is kind of, the thing that I think everyone's asking pretty much. Um, yeah. But I don't know if you... Yeah, and so what I wanted to talk about um, around this was kind of my experience. And, and in, in the Target story, what I thought was really interesting was it wasn't that the family themselves were like, oh, you violated our human right by using our data to send us these coupons. Um, it was actually more of the reaction of the general public where they kind of found out, oh my god, like. Target can do this. Yeah. Um, and again, this was 10 years ago. And I remember yeah. at the time when I found that out, uh, this is really just my personal experience. I don't know if this translates, but um, I wasn't so taken aback. And it kind of was like a, a moment where I realized like that almost has a benefit. Like for me personally, like I'd be able to find things that maybe I wouldn't have known that I needed. And I thought like, I was, it was a moment where I was like, well, technology is kind of beautiful actually. Like, <laughs> like it's able to like predict what I'm gonna need before maybe I even fully realize it or before like, yeah. And so, and recently, a more recent story that, that is connected to this is when I was moving to Japan, um, I was living in LA before and, and, uh, and I had my car that I would drive everywhere because in LA you have to drive everywhere. Um, but I was moving to Japan and I was I remember scrolling through Instagram. Instagram has like the best targeted ads, the I best. think. They're, they're, they're it's, the best. I've they're been the best. on the purchase page so many times Shout and just like, how did I get here? Like, <laughs> magnetic goo, like so many weird things that I'm like, I didn't even know I wanted this. Um, but one of the things that I saw was like a gym bag. And I remember being like, why would I ever need this? Like I'm living in LA, like I have my car. Um, there's like, I can just keep all my stuff in my car. Uh, and then I kind of realized like later, like, oh my God, like I'm moving to Japan. Like I'm not going to have a car and like, two months or whatever, so I am actually gonna, and you can't find those ads that you saw on Instagram, so I had to scroll for like days. I never found it, but I ended up buying a gym bag on Amazon, and that was a moment where I was like, wow, like, like advertising, again, like this could be a little bit, but I was working in marketing at the time, but it, I wasn't in ad tech or involved in advertising really at all. Um, and so for me, like having that experience, like kind of showed me like, oh, like there are times where like I won't even fully recognize that I need a product or like I, like music discovery is another thing, right? You don't like, mm. there's so much music, you're, the only way you're gonna find it is if there's these yeah. algorithms that are predicting potentially what you would like. Um, or through recommendations, I guess. But, um, but yeah, and so I, I found that that was like a really big benefit for me personally. Um, 
and even now, because of that experience, when I log on to like Medium or the New York Times or whatever it is, and I get that little pop-up that's like, hey, do you want to accept these cookies? I do actually take the time to kind of look and like, okay, like if it's advertising, I'm kind of okay with that. Um, location data is kind of weird sometimes, and you're like, why does the New York yeah. Times need to know where I am? Yeah. I don't know if they track that. That's just yeah, yeah, anecdote. But um, yeah, and so so for me, I had this really positive experience with it. And I think that at a certain level, it's almost more comfortable and it creates like a better ad experience if I'm able to share more data. Um, but then on the flip side, I think that if it is being used for these kind of really targeted sort of nefarious purposes, I think that limiting that is obviously a benefit. Yeah. Like I, I don't see. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. you touch on like two, two points I think one is the because you mentioned Instagram and that experience so I think one of the things we have to do as like from a marketing perspective and I'll, I'll let Josh talk about this a bit as well because I think Krim Tan's doing a lot of this so one of the things is the the sort of creative experience that happens as a result of the data so one of the, you know typically uh, I think when this all started out again, I think you had advertisers who sort of really bought into the concept of this like seamless online experience that created to your to your point example showing me things i didn 't know I needed or really being incredibly aligned with what I knew I needed um, and I think from an advertising perspective, I think we just got a little lazy. I think we were able to sort of push these data segments out. People stopped caring so much about the creative. People stopped caring so much about the message, et cetera. And it was just like, oh, let's attach this to this data set. There's affinity here. Let's just do it. And so I think that this is why I find people are getting so annoyed with the online experience. Um, YouTube, unfortunately, is one that I think is a terrible sort of ad experience where it's no, it's, it's, it, it is linked to you because of data, but it's not the the creative the experience itself is still very jarring mm -hmm. based on what you're doing so i think creative and how you sort of match mm -hmm. creative and mm -hmm. the data together i think is going to be an important key thing and i think it's what one of the things that helps the experience be better um the the other part of it is i think it's going to be up to, I think, publishers, when we're talking about websites, so you mentioned the, the New York Times, it's going to be up to publishers to sort of really understand and, and really uh, understand sort of where the consumer is in terms of their knowledge and try to explain to them that the reason that you enjoy the New York Times for free is because of advertising. We, we have to find a way to pay our writers, we have to find a way to produce this content that you so enjoy. Um, YouTube is free, Facebook is free. Um, you know, very like, yeah. Google search. All of this is all of these things that we use and utilize to sort of make our lives easier and better. There is a trade-off to that. Mm -hmm. um, I just think maybe a lot of the companies have done a really bad job at sort of explaining that, mm -hmm. and then also making sure that that experience. You know, if you're going to have to deal with advertising mm -hmm. on the New York Times mm -hmm. website, that that advertising is not jarring. Mm -hmm creepy, uh, irrelevant, et cetera. And I know, you know, at Crimtan, you guys are doing a lot of stuff around this, um, sort of trying to follow the, the regulatory uh, things that are in place, but also um, trying to sort of create really good advertising experiences for your clients, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, just kind of touching on one of the points you mentioned there before, it's like, that's the trade-off, right? Like. Mm -hmm the internet is free it's it's you know the, the free model of the internet is driven by advertising yeah. um so yeah, free is like a misnomer almost right it's like ad supported is like the real term <laughs> yeah, that yeah, exactly. like should be used. So, yeah. 
and exactly. So that that's what's driving the free, you know, internet. It's it's advertising spend and and that that kind of thing. And I don't know if the consumers actually understand that. And so it's kind of a, you know, if there are people listening to this who kind of hear the scary stories like about the the Catholic bishop or the you know the the mm -hmm. target um, teenager example, it's like they might be scared. Like I'm not getting my data yeah. to anybody. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, screw that kind of thing. But the trade-off is like, well, the would you pay for those these kind of mm. um, things that you like to consume, like the New York Times, mm. or you know New York Post or Washington Post or whatever mm. it may be, or even like Facebook, Instagram, mm. Gmail, Google Maps? They're yeah. all free because it's um, you know driven by you know advertising spend. Mm. So I mean, like I, I found this article that was from um, Vox, and the, you know those are the guys that make those kind of short um, documentaries, and they kind of you know I think take this with a grain of salt because mm. there's no kind of deep analytics around this, but they kind of looked at the advertising spend just in the US uh, in say 2018, and it was about $100 billion. And what they did was they divided that by the online population in the States, it's like you know, 250 million or whatever it is. Um, and they worked out that if we are going to move to like an ad-free world, what would that actually look like for mm -hmm. a consumer? Um, and they worked it out to be around $35 per month per user. Um, to kind of you know pay pay for those services. Yeah. Um, so if you think about it, like oh, I use Google Maps. Okay, that's ten dollars. I use Facebook. That's fifteen dollars. Yeah. Oh, actually now I want to like use Instagram. That's mm -hmm. another twenty dollars. Mm -hmm. And like you know you can imagine that starts to go up. Yeah. On top of paying for the internet service itself and exactly. the subscriptions that you already have. So I pay for YouTube. I actually pay for uh, I mean Netflix, all the like classic ones. But yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. And I think you know your example about YouTube is like they have the was it YouTube Red? I think it yeah, is. it's YouTube premium. Red. It's called YouTube premium. premium. Yeah. It's been, been rebranded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a premium, yeah. I'm a premium <laughs> subscriber. Yeah. 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 How that, dare you, by the way? <laughs> anyway. And that's the thing. It's like, well, I don't want to see ads. Yeah. And so you pay whatever. Like, what is it, yeah. Brian? Like, you pay it's $12.99 a month. That's, okay. that's yeah, in the States on, on iOS. I heard if you go direct through Google, um, I was talking to Victor actually about this recently, and, and Victor was saying that if you go direct through Google, it's actually cheaper. Um, but I subscribed when I was using an iPhone. Now I'm on Android. I see, I see. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's definitely the, you know, yeah. the trade-off. Like, if you want an ad-free environment, you, you do have platforms where you can pay for it. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, no, actually, you know, I don't want to pay for it, yeah. maybe younger consumers, then like, the trade-off is like, okay, well, your data may be used. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think what we've kind of tried to work out here is like pre-2018, so pre-legislation like GDPR mm -hmm. and those kinds mm -hmm. of things, the Wild West thing yeah. was just, you know, people's yeah. data was getting picked up and whatever. And now what's happening is, like, um, advertisers in those countries, mm -hmm. um, and it's happening now in Japan um, and everywhere, really, mm -hmm. is, like, they're asking for explicit consent now. And that's mm -hmm. what, you know, is required by these, these laws, is that you need to ask explicit consent mm -hmm. to use, um, mm -hmm. you know, a, a particular user's data. So that's, like, the pop-up that you see. Like, yeah. you go to Nike.com or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah pop-up comes up, hey, can I, you know, mm -hmm. use your data for this, this, and this, and like, you know, if you're like, yeah, you can use my data for, yeah. you know, personal advertising, yeah. but I don't want you to take my geo data, yeah, then yeah, you, yeah. like, the consumer now has that choice, yeah. and I think countries are moving towards that now with these, these new kind of um, mm -hmm. legislation, so I think that's, we're moving in the right direction because it's giving that consumer choice now, mm -hmm. yeah. rather than just taking it, taking the data mm -hmm. that in the past has been implicit consent, so yeah. just assumed consent, hey, yeah. it's, it's okay, yeah. because yeah. you're using my website, and if you click <laughs> in the, yeah. the fine print <laughs> privacy policy, yeah. it's written yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, it's, it's definitely changing, so 
Um, yeah, but just I think your question before Josh was talking about like relevant advertising. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think this is kind of the trade-off now as well. It's like, do you want to? And Brian, you mentioned before, like Instagram, all those kinds of yeah. things are showing you products that you're you're kind of interested in. Yeah. Like, do you want an Instagram that's showing you like? women's lingerie yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, you're you know, gonna see something yeah. Yeah. something right like it's gonna it's yeah. always it's still gonna happen yeah. but do you want it to be relevant mm -hmm. or do you want it to be I guess mm -hmm. like non-relevant yeah kind of continuing on that I wanted to touch on a little bit um, just like the solutions available now for kind of optimizing your ad experience um, there are solutions like Brave Browser, which is something we were talking about before, which is like an ad-free experience unless you opt in. Um, but another thing that I think maybe most people don't know about, but exists and has existed for 10 plus years probably, is ad choice, um, yeah. which is like when you see an ad, there's like a little <laughs> logo in don't the corner tell usually. That. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, sorry. <laughs> but I mean, you can go in and kind of select like, oh, like like even through Google, you can say like you can see what your data profile is and like select like okay, I am interested in camping. I am interested in yeah. basketball. Like whatever it is, like you yeah. can say specifically the kinds of ads that you want to see, um, which I think helps kind of at least make people more comfortable with the yeah. idea like they have they feel a little bit more in control yeah. of what is happening i know for me that made a huge difference yeah um yeah and and i i'm not sure in instagram and facebook youtube you yeah. so youtube will ask you um why am i seeing this ad yeah um so you can sort of understand why they're serving it to you twitter as well i know um yeah. with facebook um you can also when you see an ad mm -hmm. say that you want to stop seeing this ad mm -hmm. you can also um you can also request not not uh see the ad anymore you can, mm -hmm. i think you can even maybe say that you already have the product even perhaps oh, nice. but um and the interesting thing is when people sort of opt out of those things you know um i, I think on facebook you're like penalized for that like if, mm. if someone like the more people sort of opt out of seeing your ads uh -huh. it, it sort of penalizes well, you because you know the thing about happen. facebook youtube you know i mean ideally instagram they probably instagram yeah. more than anyone else yeah. because it's so visual yeah. they want a great ad experience, experience yeah. for the consumer like they want it to be relevant they also don't want it to be jarring and 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 whatnot but um so yeah there's a number of things you can do there i think with gdpr even correct me if i'm wrong you have the opportunity to one of the rules is that you can re agree to have all of your data erased i think once you can do it in a year like so this um what is it like i think it's like the request to be forgotten or something yeah but yeah i this... think within the gdpr regulation um for uh, I think you can only do it once a year, once every two years, but you can like request to just sort of have your data completely sort of wiped out. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, there are things you can definitely do. Uh, whether you should do them or not, I think is really dependent on, you know, I guess probably largely how much convenience you want in your life. I mean, you make the point about Nike Geodata. So for example, it was, you know, I was thinking like Nike Geodata. So if you want to buy something and pick it up in store, they need your Geodata. They need to know where you are to make sure that's available. Imagine if they didn't have your Geodata, you go to your nearest Nike store, shoes not there in your size. You'd be very upset. So I think it's like, 
those sorts of trade-offs of like how much people are willing to mm -hmm. um, also just have a little less convenience. Mm -hmm. Again, I think that it definitely should be regulated. I think we should have larger conversations about what's, again, what's being collected, et cetera, et cetera. Really sort of explaining, I think, the function of each one. This is why we use geodata. It's not to just sort of track where you are. It also helps Google Maps get better. It also makes sure that, you know, where we tell you a restaurant is, there's one when you get there, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and so I wanted to ask um, you, Josh, like how are you guys at Cremtan kind of delivering like effective advertising and like, you know, getting your clients who are advertisers like the return on, on ad spend and all of that while still trying to obviously follow the regulations of, of, all, of all of the policies? Yeah, for sure. I think um, so for us, like, you know, like I, I kind of mentioned at the beginning that you know, Crimtan, we're a UK-founded company, right? So we had to adjust our platform and invest in our platform to become, you know, GDPR compliant. And so what we developed was um, something called Active ID, which is um, a cookie-less kind of solution. Um, but at the core of that, that solution, even though it is cookie-less, um, it keeps kind of uh, user privacy um, at, the, at the forefront. So it's, it's a consumer first product mm. um, and what that actually means is like it's all about consented advertising so consent so essentially asking a user hey can we use your data and if that's if that's okay um, then we will use um, that data and, and those signals to do relevant advertising so you know if it, you, you kind of mentioned it before Joshua around you know there's this kind of six things um, that GDPR kind of brings into play and you, you know the right to be forgotten so the consumer has the right to say I don't want to be um, involved in this kind of um, advertising space so they can be forgotten they've got the right to port which means that if they live in say Germany and then they move to the States they can essentially pick up their data yeah. and take it to the States and then implement that there and then you know um, you know use their online preferences in that way um, right to uh, ret uh, rectify the data so let's say you know <laughs> you're getting like women's laundry ads you know laundry ads or whatever something that's not relevant to mm. you you can go in there and like fix it and say hey i'm actually i'm a male and you know i'm not i'm not interested in this <laughs> maybe you are but you know yeah. Yeah, yeah. whatever but yeah. you know those i want kinds more of, of these yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so i jack that up i turn that yeah. down right up. um and you know all, all of those kinds of things so um, for, for us, it's, you know, we've got this platform now where it sits on, um, you know, client site and then it plugs into what they call a, a CMP, a consent management platform, mm -hmm. which is those pop-ups that I mentioned before. Nice. And so if the user's like, you know, I don't want Crimtan to use my data for this, then we essentially don't, um, mm -hmm. you know, absorb that data. Um, and, you know, what we're seeing is like the, I think in the, Okay, when we're looking at Apple and, and iOS and those kinds of things, when you, you talked about the opt-out rate, um, like 80% or whatever it was, I think one, one thing that I kind of see happening is that the way that Google, uh, sorry, the way that Apple has kind of phrased, mm -hmm. yeah, like, sure. hey, do you want to be tracked? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, exclamation mark, question mark, yeah, like, you know, yeah. this yeah. is kind of, yeah. it's, it's, it's the way, exactly. Yeah. But then if you go to Nike.com or like, mm -hmm. you know, something else, it's kind of like, hey, do you want to um, allow your data to be used for relevant advertising? Which is kind of a nicer way yeah. than saying, do you want to be tracked, you know? Yeah. I think yeah. about that so much. I think that the biggest issue around this, from my perspective, and my perspective, like, I'm a marketer first, and so I, of course I want my marketing to be effective, but our ethos here at Wallen Case is very like 
customer focus. Like we're really trying to provide value, which is this podcast, all this kind of stuff. And so, um, and so I also feel like I'm pretty close to consumer side. Um, and I think that the biggest issue around this for me is that it's kind of like the branding, like you're saying, where it's like, if you ask someone, would you like like a custom tailored experience like world like would you do you want to go to nike and know that they have your shoes do you want to go to target and they're giving you the coupons that you're actually going to use yeah and it's like the, the easy answer there is obviously like yes like i want my life to be as convenient and tailored to my specific needs as possible but then if you ask someone like do you want to be tracked do you want everyone to know what you're doing at all times it's like uh no i don't want that yeah and i think that when people are limiting things like the third-party cookie which is actually kind of anonymous in a very like yeah. loose term too and i think some of these things that are being proposed as solutions especially google i know i've been like talking them up kind of but this is like kind of the, the reverse side is where like chrome your is first party but it tracks everything you're doing anyway and so it's going to yeah. be you're going to get tracked regardless of whether or not they get rid of these third-party cookies and so from my perspective it just feels like i would rather have that experience that's really seamless and smooth and i'm getting things that i want and i'm able to go into these stores and know that i'm really making the right choice and the most informed choice yeah. for me and at the same time i think that where it needs to be limited are the things like that example of like the story of the the bishop who gets caught on yeah. grinder because that is like it, that's a clear violation of that person's like yeah. essential privacy rights but i think that having a nice seamless experience in store is like completely different yeah. and so i think that that's where the legislation really needs to kind of happen and hammer down on and i think apple has been really controlling the conversation in the way that benefits them and i think that we can sure. do another follow-up episode that's going into like from <laughs> yeah. a marketer's perspective yeah. why these big businesses are actually yeah. doing this i mean i i I'd completely agree i would say um that I think there is a difference also between you know con data that you consent to because you sign up for a loyalty program because you go to a website you you know give them your email address your, there's a password etc. I think where a lot of the concern in terms of legislation is coming from is I think partially that which mm -hmm. is companies just being very upfront but I think it's also like the selling of data mm -hmm. and these kind of data brokerage firms mm -hmm. that they're only sort of reason of existence is aggregating collecting big it's data and then get and selling it to the highest bidder and so i would say as we kind of i think close this out mm -hmm. like you know as a consumer how to, so what should you do like opt out of everything opt into everything i think what you have to do is sort of look at your um day-to-day -day and sort of look at how much of apps or internet you're consuming and what you're consuming that for and how convenient that makes your life and then you sort of decide for yourself you know like i said if you eat uber eats a lot let them track you i mean it's going to be more convenient in that way but a lot of these other apps that you have on your phone sort of like where you just want i don't know like news apps or game apps or whatever i think you just sort of think about the utility of those sorts of things in your life and is is that i would ask myself like is my experience with this app or with this website going to be made better if they know more about me? Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes, then I think you should consider giving the data. If it's like, no, I just want the same generic experience that everyone else has. I don't, they don't need to know that I'm in, you know, Phoenix instead of Los Angeles, et cetera. So I think that's the, I would say the big question. I don't know if you guys would agree, but just like when you do it, will my life be made better, more convenient by sharing data? Am I okay with that? And then sort of, 
obviously read I, I don't really read the fine print and I'm not going to tell anybody else to either because mm. it's really long and really complicated um, but yeah I think that would be the big thing I would sort of give as a piece of advice mm. yeah no I, I definitely agree with that um, Joshua I think you know just kind of in addition to that you know I think uh, people need to understand that like these there are laws in place where you can't actually take like legally people's names and email addresses mm -hmm. and those kinds of things you know personal identifiable information is something that can't be used right and so it, you you and i think you touched on this before brian that it is anonymous mm -hmm. so if you do see that thing that pops up saying you know can we use your data or if you do download that free app like mm -hmm. don't don't think that within the app they're going to take all of your uh, you know personal mm -hmm. identifiable information sell that to mm -hmm. you know someone in I don't know, like Russia or whatever, yeah. and they're yeah. gonna hack you or something yeah, like that yeah, because yeah. that's not the reality yeah. of the situation. Yeah. So I think that's also, you know, people should have peace of mind when they're on the internet, but they also, you know, the way things are moving, like advertisers and brands are now coming to the table giving, um, you know, consumers the choice now whether they want to have that experience with that brand. There is laws in place that are becoming stricter um, and, you know, there are kind of those models now where you can pay for an ad free world if you want that through you know things like spotify and and youtube so i think it's it's definitely moving in the right direction and people should have peace of mind when browsing on you know the net yeah cool yeah i think now we're finally in an era that we can um that that consumers can actually be mindful of how their data is used and so i think it like, yeah, a lot of that responsibility did fall on tech companies, but they, as, as Josh was saying, like, they are making ground to, like, put that responsibility in the hands of the consumer. Um, and so I would just say, like, for me personally, I feel like it's finally gotten to a point where I feel like I have more control over what's being put out there. Um, and and I, I just feel like I can be more mindful about how my own data is being used. And so I do appreciate that. And I think that Moving forward, it's only going to get better. Uh, so I just recommend that everybody is kind of just, yeah, aware and, and maybe not read the fine print, but like read those prompts that you get now because they're pretty straightforward, they're pretty streamlined. Uh, and you can really be, yeah, selective and, and choose how to optimize your own experience. Well, I think that's good for part one. We've got a part two coming up for yes. marketers, marketers and advertisers. So we're going to get really inside baseball. Yeah. Talk about cookies and um, data clean rooms and all of this other stuff that um, has been really uh, sort of making I think all of us advertisers crazy and then like Google just keeps extending <laughs> it so it's like the thing we're waiting on and it just keeps coming but yeah great awesome thank you so much for your time Josh, Josh, thank for thanks, guys. Josh will be back in the part yes. two as well so yes. um, looking so, yeah. forward to it we'll get into side specifically also what Crimtan is doing and that'll be really awesome yes. yeah cheers well, thanks guys thank thanks. you thank you Thank you for listening. We are always looking for feedback or questions. Please feel free to send them to b.rios at wallencase.com. Again, that's b.rios at wallencase.com.